Welcome to the BP presentation to the financial community, webcast and conference call. I now hand over to Jessica Mitchell, Head of Investor Relations. Hello and welcome everyone. This is BP's second quarter 2013 results webcast and conference call. I'm Jessica Mitchell, BP's Head of Investor Relations, and I'm here with our Group Chief Executive, Bob Dudley, and our Chief Financial Officer, Brian Gilvary. Also with us for the Q&A is the Chief Executive of our Upstream, Lamar McKay, and Ian Conn, Chief Executive of Refining and Marketing. Before we start, I need to draw your attention to our cautionary statement. During today's presentation, we will make forward-looking statements that refer to our estimates, plans and expectations. Actual results and outcomes could differ materially due to factors that we note on this slide and in our UK and SEC filings. Please refer to our annual report, stock exchange announcement and SEC filings for more details. These documents are available on our website. Thank you and now over to Bob. Thank you, Jess, and good afternoon or good morning, everyone, depending on where you are. Thank you for joining us. In today's presentation, we will, of course, take you through our second quarter results, but we will also update you on our key areas of activity. Our 2Q results reflect a variety of factors, some positive, some negative, which Brian will take you through in detail. The largest negative to the figures being the drop in crude prices from 1Q to 2Q. Looking underneath the quarterly numbers, we continue to benefit from the strong ramp-up of production in our new upstream projects and steady operational performance in the downstream. So I believe we are making solid progress where it really matters despite the more challenging environment. After hearing from Brian, I will review the status of the legal proceedings in the U.S. and also say a few words about the developments in Rosneft. I'll then take a look at our progress with the changes underway to reposition BP for the future. It's a future that we believe will make BP distinctive through having a more focused, lower-risk footprint, a leading position in deep water, a unique position in Russia, highly disciplined capital investment in a growing high-quality upstream project pipeline, and a downstream that is a strong generator of cash. And finally, there will be time for all of us to respond to your questions. Before handing over to Brian, here's a brief look at what we've done in the year to date focusing on the strategic progress to achieve our 10-point plan to 2014 that we laid out in 2011, and that will deliver shareholder value into the longer term. As we have consistently said to you, this is based around creating a safer, stronger company that delivers value by playing to our distinctive strengths of exploration, giant fields, deep water, gas value chains, and world-class downstream businesses all underpinned by technology and relationships. Here are some of the highlights of what we've done this far in 2013. We've turned a challenge into an opportunity in Russia, which you are well informed about, and we have in place a new strategic relationship with our investment in Rosneft. We have passed our $38 billion divestment target, leaving us with a more focused, stronger set of assets. In the quarter, we boosted our exploration activity with a major find in India, 15 exploration wells either in progress or under evaluation, and by acquiring new acreage in Norway, Brazil, and China. We've continued to move our upstream major projects through the pipeline with the startup of the Angolan LNG project and the Atlantis North expansion in the U.S. Gulf of Mexico. 
Preparations continue for starting up two more upstream projects later this year. We've also seen progress on the Shak Deniz and Oman Kazan megaprojects, which I will come back to in more detail later. We've started up a major crude distillation unit at the Whiting Refinery, the first major unit in the modernization program that is now over 96% complete and on track for full operation this year. And we'd received approval for a new state-of-the-art petrochemicals facility in China on the coast in the Guangdong province. In technology, we continue to make progress with Project 20K, which is the drilling system that will allow us to drill at 20,000 pounds per square inch to unlock resources of the Caspian, the Gulf of Mexico, and in the Mediterranean. We recently signed an agreement to develop engineering for a new breed of offshore drilling rigs to unlock the next frontier of deep water drilling. And we are busy rolling out advancements in real-time well monitoring to assist with safety-critical operations. We've also kept gearing at its target range at around only 12% while buying back over $2 billion of shares to date as part of the program we announced earlier this year to buy back up to $8 billion of shares. So a lot is being done, and I'll come back to some of these points. But first, over to Brian. Thank you, Bob. Starting with an overview of the second quarter financial results. Underlying replacement cost profit in the second quarter was $2.7 billion, down 24% on the same period a year ago and 36% lower than the first quarter of 2013. Compared to a year ago, the result reflected lower liquids realisations offset by higher gas realisations, lower upstream volumes due to the impact of the divestment programme, continued steady performance in the downstream and a lower contribution from Russia with our share of Rosneft income impacted by the ruble depreciation and the duty tax lag effect in a period of falling oil prices. Also impacting the quarter relative to a year ago was a smaller positive consolidation adjustment to eliminate unrealised profit on lower volumes of equity crude in inventory at the end of the quarter and a significantly higher effective tax rate largely due to the impact of the stronger dollar against the basket of currencies. Second quarter operating cash flow was $5.4 billion. Turning to the highlights at a segment level. For the upstream, the underlying second quarter replacement cost profit before interest and tax was $4.3 billion, compared with $4.4 billion a year ago and $5.7 billion in the first quarter. The result versus a year ago reflects lower production due to divestments, lower liquids realisations and higher non-cash costs for expiration write-offs and DD&A, partly offset by the benefits of higher gas realisations and an increase in underlying production volumes. Reported production, excluding Russia, decreased by around 1.5% compared to the same period last year, primarily due to divestments. Underlying volumes in the second quarter after adjusting for divestments and entitlement effects, increased by around 4.4%. This reflects new major project volumes in Angola, the North Sea and the Gulf of Mexico and improved Trinidad performance, partly offset by underlying base decline. Compared to the first quarter, the second quarter result reflects lower liquids realisations, 
lower volumes and higher costs, primarily due to the planned seasonal turnaround activities that we signal with our first quarter results, and lower profits from gas marketing and trading activities following the strong performance in the first quarter. Looking ahead, we expect third quarter 2013 reported production to be somewhat lower than the second quarter, similar to the reduction we saw between the first and second quarters of this year. This is the result of the continuing impact of our divestment programme and the planned major turnaround activity and maintenance in the North Sea and Alaska. This is partly offset by continued project ramp-ups and reduced maintenance activity in the Asia-Pacific region. We also expect costs to be seasonally higher with the turnarounds in the third quarter. This slide shows our share of earnings from Rosneft and historically from TNK BP. This is the first full quarter that reflects our 19.75% shareholding in Rosneft. BP's share of Rosneft underlying net income was $218 million in the second quarter. The result was negatively impacted by the ruble depreciation against the US dollar and the lagging effect of the export duty, which, as we saw with TNKBP reporting, has a disproportionate effect in periods of falling prices. If the oil price and the ruble dollar exchange rate were to stay flat in the third quarter relative to the second quarter, we would expect our share of Rosneft income to reverse out some of these negative impacts. This would be similar to the progression of our share in TNKBP's income in the second and third quarters of last year. BP's share of Rosneft production in the second quarter was 945,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day. No dividend was paid by Rosneft in the second quarter. However, on the 20th of June, Rosneft's annual shareholders meeting approved a dividend of just over 8 rubles per share. At the current ruble exchange rate, we would expect to receive a dividend of around $460 million in August. In the downstream, the second quarter underlying replacement cost profit was $1.2 billion, compared with $1.1 billion a year ago and $1.6 billion in the first quarter. The fuels business delivered an underlying replacement cost profit of $850 million in the second quarter, compared with $780 million in the same quarter last year, reflecting continued strong refining availability at 95.3%, the highest achieved in the last decade, a strong year-on-year -year supply and trading contribution, and a lower adverse impact from the prior monthly pricing of our barrels into our US refineries, which had a particularly negative impact during the same period last year. These benefits were partly offset by the outage of the largest crude unit at our Whiting refinery as part of the modernisation project. This unit was brought back on stream at the end of June. Additionally, although the refining marker margin was flat year on year, the overall refining environment we experienced was weaker due largely to a narrowing of the discount for heavy Canadian crude, which is not reflected within the marker margin calculation. The lubricants business delivered an underlying replacement cost profit of $370 million, compared with $320 million in the same quarter last year. This reflects strong margin capture 
supported by growth in our marketing mix of premium Castrol brands. The petrochemicals business reported an underlying replacement cost loss of $24 million, compared with a profit of around $30 million in the same period last year, due to the continued difficult environment for BP's mix of products, impacting both volumes and margins, together with increased turnaround activity. Looking forward to the third quarter, we currently expect fuels profitability to be lower than the record levels experienced in the third quarter of 2012. This is due to expected weaker refining margins relative to the third quarter of last year, with major refineries returning from planned and unplanned outages, together with the absence of earnings from divested assets, including the Southwest Coast and the Texas City Refinery, which benefited from very strong performance in the third quarter of last year. In other business and corporate, we reported a pre-tax underlying replacement cost charge of $440 million for the second quarter, which is broadly in line with the guidance we gave in February. The underlying effective tax rate for the second quarter was 45%, around 10 percentage points higher than a year ago, largely reflecting the impact of the stronger US dollar against the basket of currencies. Turning to the Gulf of Mexico provision, the charge increased by $200 million in the second quarter, reflecting an increase in the provision for litigation relating to the Gulf of Mexico oil spill. The total cumulative net charge for the incident to date is now $42.4 billion. This includes the cost of the $20 billion trust fund for which a charge was recognised in 2010. At the end of the second quarter, the cumulative amount to be paid from the trust fund has reached $19.7 billion, leaving headroom of $300 million for further expenditures. In the event the headroom is fully utilised, subsequent additional costs will be charged to the income statement in future quarters. The pre-tax BP cash outflow related to oil spill costs for the quarter was $200 million. At the end of the second quarter, the cash balances in the trust and the qualified settlement funds amounted to $8.2 billion, with $20 billion contributed in and $11.8 billion paid out. As we indicated in previous quarters, we continue to believe that BP was not grossly negligent and we have taken the charge against income on that basis. Moving now to cash flow, this slide compares our sources and uses of cash in the first half of 2013 to the same period a year ago. Operating cash flow in the first half was $9.4 billion, of which $5.4 billion was generated in the second quarter. Excluding oil spill-related outgoings, first half underlying cash flow was lower than a year ago, partly reflecting the absence of a dividend from TNKBP, as well as the impact of our divestment programme. In the second quarter, we received $2.9 billion of divestment proceeds, including $2.3 billion for the Carson Refinery and Southwest US retail assets, bringing the first half proceeds to $16.3 billion, including the net cash received after the TNKBP disposal and purchase of Rosneft shares. Organic capital expenditure is on track with our annual plan and was $11.5 billion in the first half and $5.8 billion in the second quarter. 
In the first half of the year, we have bought back over $2 billion of shares, including $1.9 billion in the second quarter. Net debt at the end of the second quarter was $18.2 billion, with gearing of 12.3% compared to 21.7% a year ago. Our intention remains to keep gearing in a target band of 10 to 20% whilst uncertainties remain. Turning now to our guidance for the full year, we continue to expect full-year underlying production to be higher than 2012, mainly driven by the ramp-up of major projects in higher margin areas and reduced maintenance outages. Full-year reported volumes are expected to be lower than 2012 due to the impact of divestments. The actual reported outcome will depend on the exact timing of divestments, OPEC quotas and the impact of oil price on production sharing agreements. As I mentioned before, organic capital expenditure in the first half of 2013 was $11.5 billion, and we expect the full year to be around $24 to $25 billion in line with February guidance. DDNA costs for the first half of 2013 were $6.4 billion, and we expect the costs for the full year to be between $500 million and $1 billion higher than 2012. Other business and corporate charges are expected to average $500 million per quarter. Our year-to-date effective tax rate is above our guidance range for the full year. In the second quarter, this was largely driven by the strengthening of the US dollar against the basket of currencies. If exchange rates remain at current levels, we will review this guidance going forward. Before I hand over to Bob, I'd like to return to a slide I showed you last quarter, which outlines our financial framework for 2014 and beyond. We continue to expect operating cash flow of $30 to $31 billion in 2014, representing more than 50% growth in operating cash flow versus 2011. We also continue to expect full-year gross capital spend to be in the range of 24 to $27 billion per annum from 2014 through to the end of the decade. On an ongoing basis, divestments are expected to be around $2 to $3 billion per annum. Our commitment to capital discipline is fundamental to our strategy going forwards and is strongly embedded in our investment decision making. As we look further out, we are confident that the material growth in operating cash flows beyond 2014 can provide the means to both fund this capital program and to continue to maintain a progressive dividend policy in line with the improving circumstances of the firm. Now let me hand you back to Bob. Thanks, Brian. And I hope you heard our message of operating cash generation and capital discipline is fundamental to our strategy for the decade. And we'll take any specific questions on the numbers shortly. But before that, let me say a little bit more about our business progress so far in 2013. Let me turn to an update of the status of legal proceedings in the United States. The first phase of the MDL 2179 trial commenced on the 25th of February in New Orleans, focusing on the causes of the accident and allocation of fault among the defendants. The trial completed on the 17th of April. Parties submitted post-trial briefs and proposed findings, and that briefing was completed on the 12th of July. We do not have an indication for when the court will issue a ruling on the phase one issues. While the final decision rests with the courts, we believe that the accident was the result of multiple causes involving multiple parties. 
Meanwhile, we are continuing to prepare for the second phase of the trial, which is currently scheduled to begin on the 30th of September. This phase will involve two main issues, source control, including attempts to stop the flow of oil from the well, and the quantity of oil spilled into the Gulf of Mexico. We expect this phase will last one month. The penalty phase, in which the court will hear evidence regarding the penalty factors set out in the Clean Water Act, will be the next trial phase. The U.S. government, BP, and Anadarko will be parties in this phase, and we anticipate that this will not occur until sometime in 2014. The proposed class action securities litigation on behalf of the American Depository Share Purchasers, which is part of MDL 2185, is currently scheduled to go to trial in August of 2014. We are also continuing to challenge the claims administrators and court's misinterpretation of the settlement agreement with the plaintiff's steering committee. BP believes strongly and clearly that this misinterpretation has resulted in the payment of claims for fictitious or inflated losses contrary to the express terms of the agreement last year. We have appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, which heard oral argument on the 8th of July in New Orleans, Louisiana. Although we do not know when the Fifth Circuit panel will issue its opinions, we expect a ruling in the next few months and have confidence in the merits of our legal arguments. Separately, as a result of allegations of unethical and potentially criminal behavior within the claims facility, the court has appointed Judge Louis Free to lead an independent investigation of the claims facility. You will have seen the considerable commentary recently around the false and fictitious claims currently being paid by the administrators of the Plaintiff Steering Committee settlement. We are fighting this aggressively because we have a duty to you, our shareholders, but also because it's just simply the right and principled thing to do. No company will settle if it believes the agreement it negotiates will be interpreted in a way that ignores the agreement's express language and well-established principles of contract law and accounting practices and no company would agree to a settlement that pays businesses that suffered no losses. As we continue to fight these absurd outcomes, and as the likelihood of extended litigation on other matters increases as a result, we want everyone to know that we are digging in and are well prepared for the long haul on legal matters. Most importantly, we will not be distracted from continuing to build momentum in the performance of our business and delivering on our strategy. We have for some time now demonstrated that we are focused and compartmentalized and able to effectively run and grow our businesses around the world while organizing to litigate various legal matters for a long time without distraction to operating our oil and gas company. In regard to progress in Rosneft, I'm pleased to have been elected to the Rosneft Board of Directors of the company's recent annual general meeting in St. Petersburg, and I'm also now a member of the board's strategic planning committee. As Rosneft noted at the AGM, the work to bring TNKBP into Rosneft is largely complete, and an additional $2 billion of synergies has been identified, bringing the expected total to $12 billion over time. Beyond the integration, Rosneft is building considerable momentum across multiple fronts. We see this in their program for brownfield optimization, which focuses on slowing decline rates and assessing the potential for advanced drilling, fracking, and water flood technologies. While in Rosneft's exploration and development portfolio, 
Legal structures and full exploration financing has been agreed with foreign partners in the Russian Arctic and Black Sea projects. The foundations for joint ventures in the Chukchi, Laptif, and Karasi have been established, as have agreements on the principles for exploring unconventional oil opportunities in the West Siberia and Samara regions. On the gas front, initial agreements have been signed for future LNG sales from Rosneft's planned project in the Far East. And Rosneft also announced at the Russian Economic Summit in St. Petersburg long-term crude oil supply agreements to Europe and Asia, including a 25-year, $270 billion contract with the China National Petroleum Company, which when finalized would bring in substantial cash early to its balance sheet. The momentum Rosneft is building in the development of these key drivers of value gives me confidence in the future rewards BP will derive as a significant shareholder. We continue to engage with Rosneft about the ways in which we can contribute to the success of the company for the benefit of Russia and Rosneft shareholders. BP's share of Rosneft production of 945,000 barrels per day and incremental reserves of roughly 500 million barrels of oil after the transaction is a good foundation for BP's work with Rosneft. And as Brian said, we expect to receive a dividend of about $460 million in August based on our 19.75% ownership of Rosneft. Moving on, let me update you on progress and milestones in our upstream. Our primary focus continues to be the safe and reliable execution of activity within our operations and executing with discipline what we said we would do to grow operating cash flow for the long term. In exploration, we plan to complete between 15 and 20 wells by the end of the year, compared with nine wells in 2012. These numbers do not include appraisal wells. We are beginning to see the rewards of this exploration activity with a significant discovery in India. We expect to start up four upstream major projects in 2013, including Angola LNG, which started up in June, and the Atlantis North expansion in April. Our projects team continues to move forward our 2014 project startups. In our global wells organization, we've seen improved delivery versus 2012, including new wells in Azerbaijan, the Gulf of Mexico, and the North Sea well work. And our wells efficiency continues to improve with a 25% reduction in well outages versus 2012 year to date. And in our global operations organization, we continue to improve the reliability of our plants. In our top four regions, we have already seen a 9% increase in plant efficiency since 2011. This is founded on both a dedicated investment in turnaround activity and systematic defect elimination and prevention. We have completed eight turnarounds so far in 2013 and have a further 13 in execution currently or planned for later in the year. We continue to build our exploration portfolio and are ramping up exploration activity accordingly. We've been awarded eight new deepwater blocks through Brazil's 11th licensing round in Deepwater Brazil and have also farmed into five other blocks. The 13 blocks lie in three basins on the Brazilian equatorial margin and are subject to regulatory approvals. Additionally, we have been awarded two blocks in the Barents Sea through the Norwegian 22nd offshore licensing round and have farmed into one block with Sinook in the South China Sea. So we're seeing continued successful access to promising acreage this quarter following the new blocks in Nova Scotia announced in 1Q. 
As I mentioned, our exploration activity continues to ramp up and we expect to complete between the 15 and 20 exploration wells. To date, we have completed four wells in Brazil, North Sea, and India. We have made a significant gas condensate discovery in India that supports the potential of our strategic investment in this region. And we have a further 11 exploration wells in progress today in the Gulf of Mexico, Brazil, Angola, Egypt, Jordan, India, and Indonesia. I want to spend a few minutes on India as we have frequent questions about our progress there and this quarter we've seen some great developments. It's been two years since we formed our strategic alliance with Reliance. This investment was founded on three clear sources of value. Firstly, from the substantial medium-term opportunities for developing the already discovered gas. Secondly, from finding new oil and gas through exploration activities. And thirdly, from establishing our gas marketing joint venture in one of the fastest growing markets in the world. Underpinning all of that, is a belief that the disconnect between current gas prices and the cost of domestic offshore supply, as well as imported LNG, would be addressed by the government before 2014. So first, in our existing operations, we are working with Reliance to rigorously manage the KG D6 base production to maximize recovery and improve production. We're also planning the development of around three TCF of existing discoveries. Second, on exploration, as I just mentioned, we're pleased about the significant discovery, which is 2,000 meters beneath the currently producing reservoirs in the KGD-6 block. This discovery underscores the exploration potential of our position in India, and further appraisal will be done over the next few months to better define the scale and quality of the field and to evaluate development options. On gas pricing, we are encouraged by the Indian government's recent approval of gas price reform. As I said, we have always believed that the reform is crucial for increasing domestic gas supply and will be key for future strategic decisions on new developments. And we will share more on this in the future after the official policy is published. In summary, we continue to feel confident about the potential for value two years into this alliance. Our major projects are moving forward. Our key 2012 startups continue to ramp up as planned, and we expect to start up four major projects in 2013. Atlantis North Expansion joins this list, having started up in April, and the Angolan LNG project loaded its first cargo in mid-June. The Nikika Phase 3 is now expected to start up in 2014, following the tie-in of producer wells. Good progress is also being made on our planned 2014 project startups with all under construction and over 65% complete. While production in Algeria is back on, the realistic pace of the Inaminis and Insala projects is being reassessed following the tragic incident at Inaminis in January. But to be clear, we are planning to get back to work with Sonatrach and Statoil after recent security reviews, and BP remains committed to our work in Algeria. We expect to take a further five final investment decisions during this year, and during 2Q, we have reached some important milestones towards this. In June, we agreed a commercial framework for the Kazan project with the Oman government. And on Shock Denise Phase 2, the project consortium has announced selection of the European pipeline. 
We continue to make progress in our four key regions to underpin operating cash flow growth for the long term. In the Gulf of Mexico, we have sputted the Gila exploration well, our first operated exploration well post Macondo. Seven rigs are currently operating, and we will return to an eighth rig later this year. The Mars B platform sailed away on the 13th of July, targeting safe installation by the end of July. As part of our systematic turnaround program, we have completed turnarounds at our Atlantis, Thunder Horse, and Nakika assets with Mad Dog scheduled for 4Q. In Azerbaijan, the ACG field continues to see quarter-on-quarter production growth since the end of 2012, resulting from new wells, improved base performance, and continued high plant efficiency through the first half of 2013 versus the same period last year. The Shirag oil major project in the Caspian continues to move towards startup around year-end. The platform jacket has been set on site, and the top sides are on track for sail-away in the third quarter. There's also been significant progress on Shock Denise Phase 2 with the selection of the Trans-Adriatic Pipeline to deliver gas to customers in Europe. This is an important milestone toward final investment decision. In Angola, we are seeing continued year-on-year improvement in overall operating efficiency with both PSVM and Greater Plutonio above 90% in the second quarter. Also, the CLOV, FPSO, is on track for sail away from Korea in the third quarter. Finally, in the North Sea, SCARV is now producing around 140,000 barrels of oil equivalent a day. We've completed two turnarounds in the North Sea to date and have a further six planned. This activity will support the reliability of our operations for the long term, although it will impact third quarter volumes in the short term. This is the right thing for us to do. Our global operations organization is seeing results from the investment in turnarounds, reliability programs, and the systematic elimination of defects. Unplanned outages are coming down, reflecting the benefits of these programs and our focus on overall maintenance strategy for long-term reliability. This translates to an overall plant reliability improvement of 2 to 3% for the first half of the year versus the same period in 2012. Going forward, we expect the level of planned turnaround activity to continue to fall to a lower steady state as initial investments are completed and long-term maintenance strategies are embedded into our assets. There is a strong linkage between safety and reliability. No one knows that better than we do. As our plant reliability has improved, loss of primary containment from operating plants has also steadily improved with an estimated 40% reduction since 2011 to the end of the second quarter this year. So in summary, we are continuing to march toward our 2014 targets. Our expanded exploration program is beginning to yield results. We are delivering our major projects, and we continue to make progress in our high-margin regions, all of which provides a strong platform to deliver value and sustainable growth and operating cash flow. Turning to the downstream, here you see a picture of a new 250,000 barrel per day crude unit at Whiting, which just came on stream at the end of June. We have now completed the previously announced divestments of the Texas City and Carson refineries, including associated marketing assets. We reached a major milestone at Whiting with the commissioning of a new crude distillation unit as part of the refinery modernization. We also brought online the Cherry Point Clean Diesel Project and announced over half a billion dollars of attractive investments in South African refining and infrastructure projects.
In China, we received approvals for the construction of a third petrochemicals PTA plant, and our lubricants unit in China has now become one of the most material national units globally as measured by operating profit. All of this is supported by our focus on safe and reliable operations and sustaining high refining availability. This builds momentum for the longer term as we expand the cash generating capability of our downstream business to deliver material and growing free cash flow. Focusing for a moment on Whiting, where the refinery modernization project is approaching completion. The new crude distillation unit, which has enabled the refinery to return to full operational and processing capacity, is currently processing mainly light crude. The commission of the remaining units continues on schedule and will increase the flexibility to process heavy sour crudes once the new coking and hydrotreating units are commissioned in the second half of the year. As mentioned earlier, the overall project is now over 96% complete and we expect to deliver the increase in cash from operations with the first full year benefit in 2014. And so to summarize, our objective is very clear, to deliver value to our owners from this more streamlined company by being a focused oil and gas company that grows long-term sustainable free cash flow for our shareholders. We will do this through safe and reliable operations and disciplined capital investment biased towards a growing portfolio of high margin projects in the upstream supported by material cash flows from the downstream. This outlook is built on a repositioned portfolio with a more focused platform for future growth, where the key driver is one of value, not volume. As expected, you are seeing the effects of our divestment program and our quarterly results, but also other clear markers of progress. The benefits will be increasingly visible to you as we move through 2014 and beyond. Safe and reliable operations are at the heart of all our activity. You should expect that from us. We are seeing encouraging downward trends in major incidents and losses of primary containment, and we are now taking further action internally to simplify how we work in order to drive further improvements in reliability and efficiency. Our increased focus and investment in exploration continues with more wells being drilled and results starting to come through, such as the large discovery in India. Our upstream major projects are moving ahead with two major projects started up this year and two more to start before the end of the year, and our Whiting modernization project is now 96% complete. So we are confident both in delivering on our 2014 commitments for operating cash growth and in the model to drive continuing growth over the long term. We will deal with litigation off to the side. And we are doing this with a strong and flexible financial base from which we intend to grow distributions over time in line with the improving circumstances of the firm and to maintain a progressive dividend policy.